found recently in a cave by Israeli archaeologists. Scientists at CERN have announced the discovery with 99.999% certainty that the exposure does exist the so-called God particle. It's hard to imagine that all of this was once underwater. Remnants of a vast ancient lake can still be seen in the distance. In fact, there has never been a radiometric analysis that simply produces ages that validate to the known ages of rocks. Hello, fellow quirks and quacks. Welcome to another episode of Quirks of Creation. My name is Jess Holmes, and joining me, as always, is Elise Malone. Yay. Yay! And joining us today is Abby Libby from Conspiracy Pill. Thanks for joining us today, Abby. Yay! Hi. I'm in the middle of an existential crisis where I think I might be a quack. Are you a quack or are you a quirk? I don't know. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, you're a conspiracy theorist. Definitely a quirk. <laughs> I was going to say definitely a quack. <laughs> I think people might think I'm a quack after tonight, but that's oh, okay. No. I'm all I am about so it. hyped for it, though. Good. Yay, I'm excited. I feel like both of our shows are best when none of us are afraid of looking foolish. Yeah. Yes. That's fair. Yeah. That's, that is fair. And this might humble me a bit. So that's good. And that's always good for me. Solid. So. <laughs> we can always we'll use see. a little more of that. Right, right. We shall see. But anywho, welcome, everybody. I have to say... That despite this maybe labeling me as a quack, I do have to say I'm excited <laughs> to delve into this crazy subject tonight. I'm also excited not only to be here with my amazing co-host, but to have Abby Libby with us. And because I haven't gotten to have a show with Abby yet here on Quirks. Here, yes. Yeah. So I'm super excited and I'm really glad you're here. Me too. Um, I definitely invited myself. So. Good for you. I am so glad you did. <laughs> well, you guys talk about this topic all the time on Conspiracy yes. Pills. Comes up yes. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I was going to say is um, Abby and PJ have discussed like the fallen angels and their own take on ancient gods and what they look like today. And I'm really um, excited that Abby wanted to join because hopefully she'll help me fill in some gaps and take this to another level that we really haven't gone to before on Quirks of Creation. Yay. And um, yeah, also, Basically. if you want to check out more about this, like after listening to all of this and you haven't, go back to Conspiracy Pilled and just just listen. I don't, there's like at least three episodes I can think of that would pertain to this. And yeah, so there's <laughs> my least, little plug. I'm sure there will be there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, there's, yeah. Anyway, so if you want even more, they've got even more for you. So it's good stuff. Um, I also, before we start, I want to wish everyone here in America a happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, you know, as we celebrate and enjoy an extra day off from our nine to fives, we all just need to remember the brave men and women who served our country and laid down their lives so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have today. Um, I think it's very important for us to remember, no matter what we're discussing this weekend, that we have a lot of freedom and we're very blessed to be in this beautiful country. And we wouldn't be able to enjoy yeah. those without those who died to protect us. So thank God for them and uh, be grateful, be blessed. And let's get into the show. Yeah. Amen. I love it. Amen. All right. Uh, 
Also, it's hard to remember that it's Memorial Day weekend. It, is. it always sneaks up on me. <laughs> Same. Well, should probably probably mention that. Maybe I don't know, but no, I love it. I think that was good because I mean we should remember it. We talk so much. I mean, through both of our shows, like all of the corruption we see throughout all levels of society, it's easy to forget that there were some brave people who gave Mm -hmm. their lives and that there are parts of this country that are good. And it was founded in a, in a good place or at least with good intention, even if things did get corrupted along the way. Even when things get a little hairy. Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever, whatever word you want to throw in there. A little weird, a little weird, little, whatever. A little quacky. A little (laughs) quacky. (laughs) Uh, So this is going to be kind of a crazy and wild ride tonight. Um, I have to admit that this is not an area I'm super familiar with, but I was telling this to Jess a few days ago that everything else I had lined up just didn't sound right. Like God was like, no, no, no. Like, okay, but I need something. (laughs) I (laughs) I have to do a show. (laughs) I have to do a show on something. And it was like, not last minute, but sooner or it was closer to the edge than I like to yeah, decide on what I'm doing. That. that happens a lot for me. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I, yeah, uh, me too, unfortunately. <laughs> but this topic kind of popped up on TikTok of all things. And I immediately knew that this is what I was supposed to talk about. And I don't, I don't know why. Maybe we'll at the end of the show. But anyway, I'll let you tell. I'm going to tell you the story. And here we go. So. Before we get into the super crazy part of this, I'm going to set the scene, and there's a lot to cover before it even gets wild. So to start out with, we're going to start in ancient Sumeria, which is, um, well, in Sumer, which is now Iraq. So the Sumerians are considered the oldest civilization to date founded in the Mesopotamia region of the Fertile Crescent between the... Um, Tigris and the Euphrates, and I cannot get my mouse to show you, but if you look at this map, you can see on the west side. This is what you guys miss when you do audio only. You miss the maps. You miss the maps. You got to come over to Rumble and see the maps. That's right. So it's just a black and white map, but it shows all of the um, cities that were... Um, popular at that time. It also shows a few modern cities just to give you like Baghdad and um, things like that, just to give you some reference points. But you can see the tiger, the Tigris, excuse me, on the east and the Euphrates on the west. And they're right in the middle. Like I said, it's considered the oldest civilization to date. And according to National Geographic, there are seven characteristics to defining a civilization. So you need to have a large population center or centers Monumental architecture, unique art styles, uh, shared communication strategies like writing or even just um, being able to number things. Um, Systems for administrating, administering, words are hard. (laughs) Words are hard. (laughs) Words are hard. I need just a button to push every time. Well, every time. I say that at least five times. (laughs) Um. So a system for administering territories or government administration. You need a complex division of labor. So everybody or most folks need to have like a specialized task rather than everyone just being like a 
hunter gatherer. There's pottery makers and blah, 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 things like that. And then the last one is division of social and economic classes. So just so you know, in Sumer, they ticked all the boxes first, according to <clears throat> most scholars, and that makes them the oldest civilization. Kudos to you, Sumer. So <laughs> there is um, a historian by the name of Samuel Noah Kramer, who describes what Sumer was like at that time, and it was, he put it like this, Sumer, the land which came to be known in classical times as Babylonia, consists of the lower half of Mesopotamia, roughly identical with modern Iraq from north of Baghdad to the Persian Gulf. It has an area of approximately 10,000 square miles, somewhat larger than the state of Massachusetts. Its wow. climate is extremely hot. Yeah, I would have thought it was bigger. bigger. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, that's a good, that's a good reference though. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the climate is extremely hot and dry, and its soil, left to itself, is arid, windswept, and unproductive. The land is flat and river made, and therefore has no minerals, whatever, and almost no stone. Except for the huge reeds in the marshes, it has no trees for timber. Here then was a region with, quote, the hand of God against it, unquote, an unpromising land seemingly doomed to poverty and desolation, but the people that inhabited it, the Sumerians, as they came to be known by the third millennium BC, are endowed with an unusually creative intellect and venturesome, resolute spirit. In spite of the land's natural drawbacks, they turned Sumer into a ver veritable Garden of Eden and developed what was probably the first high civilization in the history of man. Wow. Yeah, I like that description. One, as it's easy to see it. Right. And two, um, there are things in there we're definitely going to come back to, like Eden. <laughs> right. And a, a few other things. So all of that, good summary. The Sumerians were really incredible in their innovation in, like, architecture. They made the wheel, or at least some people say they made the wheel. Others are like, no, but they created a chariot that was used for farming. Mm. Uh, they had mass production of textiles, bricks, and pottery. And their knowledge of medicine, astronomy, farming, all of this they um, used to their full advantage. And then they also created cuneiform, a form of writing, and they were considered to have a rich body of literature works. They created clay tablets, and on these clay tablets, you know, they chisel in the cuneiform and preserve their literature this way. Um, and it's believed that this was started around 3500 BC based on archaeological findings of these clay tablets. Um, all of this knowledge was said to have started here and spread to the rest of the civilized world. So that's what they say. We'll go from there. That's what they say. Though wartime propaganda says in a trivia game, he heard that China is the oldest civilization. So mm. trivia game wrong. Trivia game wrong? Am I wrong? I could be wrong. Is it? I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Is it what? I, I wonder. I wonder if there's some debate about it. Mm. I wonder if it's, there is too. Yeah, because it's it's definitely something where like the West and the East get a little right. competitive sometimes. Like huh, we have the oldest civilization. No us. Yeah. But I think that no, we do. Sumer is probably more archaeologically confirmed because China's right. archaeology you don't even hear about most of the time but you know right. they have stuff it's like right. they don't share much 
Yeah. <laughs> they're like not they big probably into have whole pyramids and we just don't right. know right. we have no idea no way no idea <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure yeah. they have whole pyramids <laughs> pretty sure <laughs> they've got a lot here with the conspiracies know. guys <laughs> yes i'm pretty sure there are way more pyramids in the world than anyone is willing to admit are- there's like one in antarctica right yep yes. Yes. There's at least one in Antarctica. There's one in Bosnia that people like to lie about. There's there's a lot of anyone that they can sorry to completely derail us, but any <laughs> oh, do it. Any pyramid that they can they can possibly explain away as a natural mm. phenomena, even though it's obviously not, right. they okay. will. And the only reason they can't do that with Egypt is because it's obviously not. Like you can't pretend that's <laughs> yeah. right. But there's if they can, they do. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think you're seeing that more and more in Amer- in the Americas too. Yeah. Like um, they were hidden for so long and now they're starting, not starting to be discovered, but it's becoming more and more apparent. All of the pyramids here, yeah. south, you know, and uh, they can't hide that very well yeah. anymore either. So I think you're onto something <laughs> weird. Just kidding. Carry on. I love it. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Um, so did you know that on these clay tablets, they even had beer recipes, but what they didn't have was coffee, (laughs) ancient beer. (laughs) So thankfully we have North Arrow coffee to keep us caffeinated and keep our taste buds happy. So this single origin and roast to order coffee is not only delicious, but impactful. 15% of all proceeds are donated to pro-life charities. So treat yourself to some North Arrow coffee. Help protect those precious babies and save yourself 10% by using Quirks 10, I think, mm-hmm. on yep, your next order. Quirks 10 now. Yes. I was like, Woo-hoo. I think that's our code. Yeah. But yeah. We're or Abby 10. I would use Abby 10. Yeah, definitely don't use PJ 10. I hear it doesn't <laughs> work. I <laughs> definitely doesn't. Tried it. But Quirks 10 works the best. Yeah. I follow the codes, just saying. It's the best oh, 10%. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's the ten percent you really don't want to pay, and that's the one you get on with, <laughs> with quirks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yay! I want to drink more, even though I'm probably already way too jittery for this. That's the hardest part about being away from home is not getting my North Arrow coffee. Oh. I always say, I always say, I I make a pot of coffee every two mm. days. And then yeah. there's some left over. Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite coffee days are the days I get to microwave because I don't have to do the work to make yeah. another pot. And North Arrow is good enough that you don't really notice the difference if you're me and have no not five-star <laughs> I That's hilarious because I'm the same and I've never heard anybody else say that. Like I do notice coffee. if it's Maxwell House. If my husband drinks up the North Arrow and then makes Maxwell House and I microwave it, I'm like, that's because Maxwell House tastes like blood. Yeah. 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 Even if this you don't microwave it. <laughs> right. <laughs> before before it's even too bad. Like, mm, no. <sighs> so, even though the Sumerians didn't have coffee, at least not that I could find. Maybe they did, but I don't know. They did have beer. And like I said, too, they had, like, all this knowledge, all these crazy things, all these cool things that I guess you just wouldn't expect that long ago for for people to have and so the question is how did the Sumerians gain this knowledge Mm. and I'm asking like 
could it have come from necessity? I mean, they were in the desert and they didn't, if they didn't do something, they had to leave or they weren't going to last very long. Um, could the need to survive have driven them to great accomplishments? Could it have just been human achievement alone? Were humans even smart enough that long ago <laughs> to have possibly invented anything on their own? <laughs> were we evolved enough? And there is one translation we're going to talk about later that pretty much says, no. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, before we get to that explanation, let's set up something else. So there is a widely accepted translation from the Enuma Elish. And the... Enuma Elish, I'm going to pull up a picture here just of the, like, just so you can get an idea of what the tablets look like. Maybe. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, you can see this is cuneiform. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but, like, there's bad handwriting and then there's, like, this. So... <laughs> For those of you who are yes. listening, yes. It, it looks like your doctor wrote a prescription for you on a stone <laughs> tablet. Yes. Yes. Okay, let me let's just be fair. They 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 take a, a piece of clay and and a a wedgy type Wedge, stick yeah. and right. they beep, 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 and that's what it looks like is is that they <laughs> stab <laughs> some <laughs> clay for a while. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. It's exactly what Stabby it looks like. Language. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the the writing whatever they used to write with. It was like a like you said a wedge, Stylist. like a triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Words. Yeah. Um <laughs> that they just like, you know, punched into the clay. Makes sense. But um again, you can see from here and this one's actually really intact. Most of these are broken. Most of them are um missing bits and pieces that have like fallen off because they're dry and weren't taken care of very well for a long time. Anyway, so that's just an idea of what that looked like. And the Enuma Elish, there's seven tablets and they contain this Sumerian creation story. <clears throat> um, so again, I'm going to go into like this widely accepted version. And it goes like this. So in the beginning, there was chaos in chaos with swirling water, where that came from, they don't explain. Whatever. <laughs> That's beside the point. It's so interesting to me how so often creation stories have lots of water descriptions. Yes, I was going to make that point too. Like, this is not uncommon in creation stories. I want to say Hindu is one of them mm -hmm. that I can think of off the top of my head. I think it has water and like a lotus flower. Is that ringing any bells for anybody? It's I don't know. Familiar? Maybe it's not Hindu. Maybe it's some. But anyway, I don't know. But water <laughs> seems to be a common something that's there. Okay. In the midst of all of this, so in chaos was swirling water that separated into Tiamat, which was this salty, bitter water, and Apsu, which was fresh water. Once they were separated, they got together again to create little gods. And these little gods were loud and obnoxious, and there were too many of them. So Apsu consulted his vizier, who was Mumu, and they decided it was best to get rid of them. And if this sounds familiar, 
that's because that's kind of what happened in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm. And um, who was it? Um, I think Enki, I believe, mm-hmm. or Enlil, one of them. Gosh, I'm just like on fire right now. Too yeah. much coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them was like, dude, these humans are too loud. I'm getting rid of them. And then that's why we had a flood. So right. it's repetitive, but absolutely oh, it was, like that. It, I think it was the Egypt creation myth. Thank that, you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause it's all water. And then this lotus flower comes up out of the water and mm. starts giving light and perfume and beautiful. So. Thank you. Yes. Heartwarming. I was like, ah. Another deeply, deeply ancient. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. And another good one to like, talk about sometime it's yeah egyptians so alone fascinating oh, but very fascinating yeah um so yeah so absolutely like they're annoying let's get rid of them his vizier's like yeah sounds great and um tiamat hears this and she's like uh no and warns her oldest son anki and he puts absu to sleep and kills him from the remains of Apsu, Enki creates his home, Tiamat, and then in, uh, creates his home, sorry, period. Huh? And Tiamat is then enraged that Enki killed her lover and joins forces with Quingu to defeat these younger gods. Mm. Yeah. So she's like, uh, I warned you. <laughs> Didn't expect you to kill the guy. <laughs> I don't know. I love that. There's always somebody killing somebody. In yes. all of these ancient stories. Yeah, yeah. Especially like the gods warring with each other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, there's more. So Let's get into the it. younger gods are pretty much getting decimated by the older gods. And um, all of a sudden, da, 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 in comes Marduk. And Marduk kills Tiamat with an arrow, splitting her in two. The Tigris and Euphrates are created from the tears flowing mm. from the eyes of Tiamat. And out of her corpse, Enki created the heavens and the earth. Um, after this, Marduk consults with Enki and they decide it is wise to create mankind. They decide to use the blood of the god that helped Tiamat. So Marduk discovers that it was Quingu, slays him in one-on-one combat and uses his, butt, his blood and mud or clay to create Lulu, the first man, to be helpers to the gods in their eternal task of maintaining order and keeping the chaos at bay. That theme of pushing back chaos is also super present mm-hmm. in the Egypt myth yes. with Apophis. So anyway, yeah, please continue. Oh, no, I think that's super important to remember because, or at least keep in mind, mm-hmm. there are a lot of themes throughout this that you see everywhere. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think that's coincidence. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Because the, the the chaos, at least in the Egypt myth, is something that the other gods are even afraid of. Right. That yeah. it's it's this deeper thing that's beneath everything that no matter how nasty Zeus gets, he's still afraid of the dark. He's still afraid of the right. dark goddess. No matter how big and bad set the god of war um, in Egypt gets, he's still afraid of Apophis. So it's it's fascinating. It's like there's a bigger god out there <laughs> or something. You're crazy. You're just oh crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're just crazy because, and I'm going to get to this and touch on this more, but one thing that kept coming up in my research was like, 
And this is where the Bible gets its stories, period. Like it is factual. This is all where the Bible gets their stories. And it's like, okay. I mean, every, every place I did research pretty much. Right. So it's interesting. They don't bring up any other connections with anybody else, just that one, which again, I find interesting. Yeah, they always have to find a source that's not the Bible and cite that as, oh, that's where the Bible gets its ideas, not right. not the other way around. Can't right. possibly be the other way around because then that might mean the Bible is true. Right. And there can't be connections between them because that might point to the Tower of Babel, maybe, Ooh. if you make that connection. I don't know. But the next question is like, okay, this is about the Anunnaki. So where do they come in? Right. And before we jump into that, uh, we're going to take our show over to Rumble and Odyssey. Um, at Hotcom Media, we don't believe in working for woke companies that don't care about you and your values. So we're taking a stand against YouTube and their arbitrary rules and regulations. And we're going to discuss things further on platforms that do allow us our freedom of speech. So if you haven't already, gotta get on over to Rumble or Odyssey, sign up for free and continue to chat with us live during the show and after, which is super fun. Um, and for audio listeners, you still get the majority of the show and we truly value you and your support of our podcast. So everyone who's live right now, we will see you over on Rumble and Odyssey where we continue to bring you our authentic selves while not making compromises to grow our podcast. We'll see you there. See you there. I love your theme music. <laughs> I love it too. It's great. I also forgot to shout out wartime propaganda with the $2 rumble rant map appreciation post. Gotta love the maps. Thank you so much. Wartime propaganda. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's guilt money. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> we were trying to convince him to get on here before uh, the sh we started the show. He's like, nah, made up exactly. some excuse like he's wearing work clothes or something like yeah, whatever what a dork <laughs> like he has yeah, i want him here do. anyway right i walked around all day who cares you know yeah. <laughs> exactly so anyway there's there's that there's that. a little behind the scenes before you call <laughs> all right so back to the anunnaki and where they come in <clears throat> again just sticking with this like widely accepted translation. Uh, there were many gods of Mesopotamia and their pantheon was like hierarchical. Yep. Again, words. And I think you said it to me earlier, Abby, that like it was the first pantheon maybe, or, or were you were saying something along those lines. Yeah. It, it, the Sumerian, the Sumerian pantheon, pantheon is the first one we know of. It, it yeah. seems to be the very first one out of Eden. And the myth, the myth surrounding the whole thing, um, the whole creation myth, the flood myth, it is exactly the creation myth flipped on its head right. as far as who's the good guy and the bad guy. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's fascinating stuff. It is really cool stuff. I'm going to touch on that more in a little bit too. So I'm glad you yes. said that. <laughs> 
I find it so interesting that in a lot of these myths, the creation story is brought about through killing. Whereas God's creation story is like, he's just creating things with his words and all of it is good. And at the end, it, it's all very good. But to get creation, like through the Sumerian legend, it's like all this death and destruction, it feels like. Right. Like we created these little beings and they're so annoying. <laughs> get rid of them. <laughs> get rid of them. <laughs> get rid of them. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And uh, I mean, I guess you could say, that there was like kind of that with Noah, except it wasn't like people were annoying. It was like, no, these people are so bad, so bad. Not just so these annoying bad. little, yeah, little mini gods. They were, <laughs> they were terrible. Anyway, tangent. But um, so it's hard when interpreting these texts. I mean, you could just see it in the cuneiform tablets, but I'll discuss more about like the, difficulty in just translating this in a minute but um you know some gods for example have different names for the same person or maybe it's the same god with another name or maybe someone else even for those deciphering it and who understand it much much better it's still really hard to get a clear picture sometimes but in this hierarchy at the top you have the Anunnaki as the great gods and the Igigi which are the little gods and mm. like the big guy in this story now is Anu and he had two sons Enlil and Enki both with different mothers and Anu's always like for a long time he's like main guy in charge but he's also really aloof like not around mm -hmm. very much so um and Anu tried to intervene with Tiamat during the war and wasn't successful, yet somehow he still became like the god of the gods. And Anu would go on to have more children, and they were the Anunnaki. Uh, no text like has a definitive answer to how many Anunnaki there were. Some say seven, some say up to 300. But um, their main purpose was to decide the fate of humans. So... Anu's sons, again, like I said, Enlil and Enki, um, are sometimes described. So Anu would, referencing back to the Bible, or we stole this from them, I guess. Anu as the father, and Enlil, who was more um, tangible, would be the son. Enki was described as more spirit-like, ghost-like. So mm. they make the argument that right there is the trinity, <laughs> which is interesting. There's also like these, um, this argument that, uh, where was it? Something about, oh, the Enlil is really God. Like he was jealous of Enki or Enki was jealous of Enlil, something like that. And just like branched off, did his own thing. And that's where our version of God comes mm -hmm. from. Yes, they Enlil's the one that's made out to be Yahweh. Yes. Okay, that's I was right. Yes. Yes, you are. Whoop, whoop. Which I think, <laughs> if if you're really bending the myth right. to make it work, then he wouldn't be Father God. He would be Son of God because right. he's the son of Anu. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's just a lot of these arguments like, oh, oh, see, see, like, see how this is the same as this. And it's like, 
again, like you said earlier, just. It's just flipping it on its head. It is. It it's, is. It's, this is the problem. You, you get a myth that's really similar, but it tells a really, it's like the closer it is, the more powerful the lie is. And, right. Yeah. And then people are like, well, yeah, so Christianity just stole from this myth and flipped it around. It's like, no, this myth stole, stole from the truth and flipped it around. This is, right. These myths are the stories that these beings tell about themselves. Right. Yes. It's their yes. side of the story. It's what's wrong. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> Exactly. And no, I'm glad you went down that path because I want to touch on this further Um, because this is like the widely, it's so widely accepted and believed that these stories came first. Like it was hard for me to follow some of the arguments that were being made about this. Um, But there was like the comparison of the Sumerian Kings list, which is another tablet at least. And it's similar to the, like some of the genealogy of the Bible, but their kings lived longer than even like Methuselah. <laughs> so therefore, this has been around longer. The dating of the tablet suggests a range from 2200 to 620 BC. I'm not even going to touch carbon dating. <laughs> That's <laughs> a discussion for another time. <laughs> okay, we, you, please do an episode on it, like really soon. I know. Well, we so, keep saying that, and it's like I, I think we just <laughs> need to because yeah. I'm like looking into the stuff that we're going to talk about for next week and the shroud of Turin and like so much of it is the carbon dating. I'm like, (sighs) it's foundational to what you're doing here. It is. So you need it. We need it. We need it. Yeah. We need to do it soon. So without any spoiler, spoiler alerts for that episode someday. (laughs) Right. Spoilers. It's shitty. (laughs) Spoilers is that it don't work. But anyway. Okay. So like, (laughs) The half-life of carbon-14 is so short. It's not a good way to measure dates. Right. Right. Doesn't it also assume that the Earth has to be a certain really old amount just to even work? It, It is. So here's the thing. It is you have to assume a certain amount of carbon 14 exists in a material in order to backwards track from the half life. Right. Right. Because you assume, okay, after 5,417 years, I think is the half life. After that time, you get half of your sample. So you Mm -hmm. have to assume a certain amount of a starting sample. How do you know how much is in that sample? You can't directly know that. So you have to cross reference it with (laughs) objects of the same time period. And yeah. Okay. So you basically have to decide how old it is and that's how you date it. (laughs) And that's how you date it. Exactly. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. You make it fit in the picture and then it does and it's fine. And 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 it's not science anymore. Science. 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 Yes. Yeah. So again, without touching it, but kind of touching it. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm glad you did. I was just like, I'm not even gonna. It's but you're so the, annoying. <laughs> you're you're more the expert there, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they say these tablets range from 2200 to 620 BC, while God gave the law to Moses around 1500 BC. I'm not going to sit here and say I have the answers because I don't. But one thing I want to point out and compare, just to give you all some food for thought, is the story of the flood, for example, because we have the story of the flood in the Bible, the Noah's flood. And then, of course, the flood is on these um, 
cuneiform tablets and the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is part of this too, and, and all of that. Um, and there, of course, the whole argument is that we stole this idea from them. And I briefly touched on this in our second episode when I discussed, you know, the flood and the archaeological evidence for a cataclysmic flood, if nothing else. And I think when you do compare the details of the flood, like in the Epic of Gilgamesh and Noah's flood, one definitely seems to get its idea from the other, but not the way secular scholars would like you to think. So for example, this might, <laughs> this might be a terrible example, but we're going with it. Stick with me. So Abby, yes. <laughs> if Jess were to come to you and say like, Hey, my car broke down. I'm really in a bad place. And can you help me like loan me some money so I can fix it? And you're like, okay, well what's wrong with your car? And she's like, I went to the mechanic and he was saying that the carburetors are bad and my alternator is out and my brakes are terrible. I lost the exhaust on my way into the mechanic. And she just like <laughs> lists off uh-huh, uh-huh. all these things that are wrong with her car and like the price for each one of them. And uh-huh. she just is very detailed. Yes. And you're like, that sounds awful. Here you go. Because <laughs> Abby's made of money. On this yes. story. <laughs> made I didn't of know money. why Abby would do this to begin with and not just tell me to buy a new car. I know. That's, that's literally what I was thinking. I'm like, I'm not saying it's a good story. It's just a story. Okay. Okay. I give her the money because I'm loaded. It doesn't right. matter. Okay. In this story, Abby's loaded and she's like, yeah, sure. Let me write a check. Here you go. Got it. Done. And then I hear that she did that. And I was like, oh, hey, uh, so my car broke down too. And um, I say like, you know, my car broke down and it's going to cost me like, you know, seven grand to fix it. Hey, money bags, you want to help me out? And she's, <laughs> she's like, well, what what's up with your car? And I'm like, I don't know. They just said something with the engine. It's going to cost me $5,000. Sound good? Okay. I'll take the money now. <laughs> that literally sounds like me taking my car to my husband's sake, fix it. I mean, even if the mechanic did tell me everything that's wrong, I'd probably still be like, Who's Yeah, I'm always like, it's the brake pads. I don't yeah. know if it's the front or the back, but it's definitely that. <laughs> it's something. It makes a noise and it's bad. I don't know. <laughs> Smoke shouldn't come out of the front, right? Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Most yeah. of the time. Most of the time. Anyway, so you're super unspecific. Yes. And you expect me to give you money. And I'm just expecting you to hand it over. Mm-hmm. Believe mm-hmm. me. And uh, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this is kind of how I look at these stories. <laughs> it's <Okay>. terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. But no. if Abby's smart, I mean, obviously she's loaded. So she's savvy. <laughs> I'm obviously super smart. <laughs> she's a savvy girl. She's just like... Uh, I'm calling BS on that. No, I'm not giving you money. Good luck. Good luck with your life. Don't talk to me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but you know, she sees how Jess was like, it's all of these things. And this is the exact amount that I need. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. I kind of look at the story of Noah and the epic of Gilgamesh or the flood myth. I just throwing stuff around in my office. Sorry, guys. As kind of like that, it's yeah. the um, you have Noah's Ark that you can, and it has been built with the specific instructions 
just from the Bible, like nothing else. And then you have Gilgamesh who has this like house box boat thing. That doesn't make sense at all. No, (laughs) I got to see it today. Yeah, it's a box. It's a box. Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted people to know like your location. So I wasn't. I tweeted it out. Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's right. So you got to see it today and you can see like, and like I said in that um, earlier episode, like, I can't make that make sense. But if you were to look at these two things and you're like, oh, yeah, Noah definitely stole that from this. I don't know. It's just one way of looking at it. Again, food for thought. I don't really have answers to say definitively one way or the other, except my faith, which (laughs) in and of itself, I think is enough. Like either you believe the word of God or you don't, but just more kind of something to throw out there. Our faith is not unfounded, right? I'm more likely to believe the thing that has greater detail than the thing that doesn't. Right. I don't know. I think I, and yeah, but anyway, I'm going to jump off of that. We will probably come back around to this a couple times, but, um, but basically the story I gave you, that is the like accepted version by most scholars. So how do we go from this story, which really, like we said, isn't too different from other pantheons and other creation stories kind of like that, to this ancient astronaut theory or ancient alien theory, which is also called where aliens come down and either create mankind or they intervene with mankind. How do you go from that to that? So I'm excited. Here we go. Um, Have either of you heard of the works of Zechariah Sitchin? Mm -mm. Yeah. Me neither. (laughs) I started looking into this. So he wrote a series of books titled Earth Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And the first book in that series is called The Twelfth Planet and was written in 17 or 19, sorry, 1976. This book and the subsequent books following that share his interpretation of the Enuma Elish. Mm -hmm. Um, He states that there is a twelfth planet and that includes all eight of our planets plus Pluto and plus the um, sun and the moon. Mm. So this 12th planet is called Nibiru and the orbit of Nibiru is 3,600 years long and it's like an elongated um, orbit. So whereas ours is more circular. A very long ellipse. (laughs) Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yes. I've got a picture I'll show you. It Ooh, helps. Yeah. So it helps. what that means is that it's, it's, um, okay, cool. It's, it's summer it's is yeah. really hot and it's winter is really cold. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Yeah. It makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. The symmetry of this makes perfect sense for those of you guys who can't see it. You got our classic solar system the ellipses, you guys know the planets. And then this like big egg-shaped ellipse that's like kind of in our solar system, but mostly not. Right. Most of it is not. Yeah. Perfect. Um, perfect sense. Makes Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so the story goes that when Nibiru passes, passes by our planet, it 
causes great catastrophes, such as the flood in the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Bible and other such things. So when it comes back around, we need to watch out because it's going to be awful. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not even going to go into that part yet. But (laughs) So again with this story, at some point, Nibiru collides with another planet called um, Tiamat, which was earlier translated as the... um, as one of the gods who came out of the water, just to remind you. So Tiamat, the planet, breaks in two from the collision, and the pieces that were shattered became the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. And then the remaining portion, along with its moon, settled in nicely between Venus and Mars and became Earth. Isn't that so... How convenient. Convenient, yeah. And according to Sitchin, the people of Nibiru were a race of gods, or Anunnaki, meaning those who descended from the heavens, also known to the Hebrews as Nephilim or Elohim. The Anunnaki landed near Mesopotamia 450,000 years ago to mine gold to fix their atmosphere, which was in rough shape. And apparently they had like, you know, advanced, they were gods, they had advanced technology and knowledge of alchemy and magic and so on. And so to answer, the answer to fix this problem with their atmosphere was gold. They didn't have enough. So they came to earth. Um, Anu, Enki, and Enlil, yeah, descended to Mesopotamia where they established Eridu. I'm going to go back to the gold real quick because I know we didn't fully form this thought when we talked about it. But you had some good points just about gold. And you don't even have to like have right. a full thought. I just want I, people to hear. I have not fully formulated this thought yet. But gold comes up so often mm-hmm. in mythologies and in the Bible. So one of the first things I think of is how God specifically told uh, Israel to construct the Ark of the Covenant with pure gold very specifically stated pure gold. However, when they were disobeying him and melting all of their jewelry down to make ball, they, it did not specify pure gold. It said golden. And that time golden would have been pyrite and pyrite is often made with iron. Two things here. Iron is highly magnetic. Gold is not magnetic at all. Okay. I, again, I haven't fully formulated what is going on here, but I feel like there is a strong connection between magnetism and this spiritual world. Like, it feels like it is, magnetism might be this force of the spiritual world that is leaking through. And I don't know, the Ark of the Covenant might needed to be very protected from the darker spirit. So it needed to be surrounded with something that was not magnetic, could not be impacted by something that was magnetic. Whereas you find all of these darker beings being constructed with iron can be defeated with iron, right? Because, well, and if we think of the werewolves, silver is another one that is not magnetic and they can be killed with a silver bullet. So again, I haven't fully formulated this thought, but I feel like there is something there with golden magnetism and the spiritual world. I haven't fully figured it out yet. If you guys have any thoughts on that, I'm so here for it. But 
that's my super quacky take. <laughs> it's tied into ley lines. It's, it's yes. tied into yes. um, dowsing. There, there's dowsing. a whole oh my gosh. technology yes. that we know exists. Mm-hmm. It's established, but we don't get it. We don't understand right. it. We don't. And I think sometimes we come up with a scientific explanation for something and give it a scientific name like magnetism. Right. And then we yeah. diminish it in our minds. And it's like, well, actually, it's this force that we right. don't understand. And maybe it's bigger than we think it is. It wouldn't shock me. <laughs> right. Right. No, there's definitely much more to this. And it's like you said, it's hard to put a finger on it, but there's something there. And I think we'll definitely, we'll probably, <laughs> I'm sure find out more in our research and talk about this more. But oh, yeah. I just wanted to definitely make that point. Cause you'd brought that up when we talked about this and I was like, Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where it's going yet, but it's been stuck in my brain. Actually, since I last went to Abby's, Hi, we have nice. so many good conversations. Right, We do. I love you so much. I want all my people in the same place. <laughs> let's make a cult. Let's, let's buy a piece of land. Let's have a cult. You heard guys. it. <laughs> this is the hot hound cult. I just want okay but like sue me I just want all the people I love in one place (laughs) with chickens I want chickens I want a dog like a good farm dog to chase to chase the chickens chickens. no to chase bad things off the chickens (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah I hate chickens so I'm just like get them chickens are the worst man oh I'll take care of the chickens don't worry about it don't worry about it the chickens are mine (laughs) I'll take care of ducks ducks are cute We'll make PJ take care of the geese. Anyway, please continue <laughs> with this episode. <laughs> Love this. <laughs> so, yes. So, Anu, Enki, and Enlil descended to Mesopotamia where they established Eridu. And there they began mining for gold and they needed a place that was nice with resources like food and water and so on. So they created Eden for themselves. And... Anu left and put Enlil in charge of mining in Mesopotamia while Enki looked over the mining that was being done in Zimbabwe. Hmm. Uh, yeah. The Anunnaki that were working decided, uh, hey, this sucks, and rebelled, refusing to do any more work. Um, this rebellion is also said to be where we get the story of the rebellion in the Bible against God. And, um, you know, obviously... He just comes right out and says Eden. So there's that too. We'll get into that one too. But um, Anki, who needed workers to keep mining this gold, looked at the Homo erectus around him and decided, let's make some slaves to do this grunt work for us. Does that keep everybody happy? You happy? Okay. I'll make them. It's fine. (laughs) So he worked with Enlil and combined the Anunnaki DNA with the eggs of female Homo erectus and engineered the Lulu. They were a strong, sterile male who, not very intelligent, but they made perfect slaves and they decided to keep making them. Um, But then they saw how good this was and they didn't stop there. So they took the Lulu's DNA and combined it with other animals on Earth, creating Chimera. None of these creations, however, could procreate, so Enki decided that needed to be fixed too. Enlil, however, disagreed, seeing this as like a potentially dangerous 
endeavor and dangerous to their mission. You know, they could rebel again if we make them too good kind of a thing. So Enki convinced or coerced, I'm not really sure, Enlil, and they moved forward. And using the DNA from the Lulu, they created the first man or Aduma or Adam. Mm. Adama or Adam. Adama. Yeah. Um, the royal family and Enlil wanted to wipe out the Adu- Ad- Adama. Excuse me. They were too smart and would definitely rebel and cause problems, while Enki and the scientists felt they were better workers or slaves because of their intelligence and they could take care of the earth once the Anunnaki left. Um, Unfortunately, when Enlil heard that the, well, first I want to say, do you know those stories where like there's a scientist who creates something super bad? Yes. But he's not bad. He's just like, I just had to see what what I could could do with this. (laughs) They did not stop to think if they should do it. Or how does that Jurassic Park quote? (laughs) Oh, yes. That one. They never stopped to think. I'm going to get it wrong. They, they, they were focused okay. on being able to do it, not yeah, whether or not they so should. They were so focused on whether or not they could. They didn't stop to think whether or not they should. should. You got it. Yes. Is, is that Jurassic Park? Yeah, that's Boom. from Jurassic Park. Yeah, Jeff and Goldblum. It's, <laughs> exactly. So, obviously, that's been a problem for a really long time. Right. <laughs> or, you know, whatever. But anyway, it just made me think of that. And I was like, nah, seen that before. Ducks. Yeah, all of history, basically. Throughout, throughout everywhere. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Enlil heard that the Anunnaki were laying with the Adama women and procreating, and he was totally enraged. He accused the females of original sin, and the humans were driven out of Eden as a way to stop his behavior from reaching Eridu. Connections. But anyway, mm. obviously, again... Bibles, original sin, expulsion from Eden, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, back in Africa, Enki was establishing the first kings and giving them titles of priests. He also Mm -hmm. established the first mystery school. Um, He was a total dictator who ruled out of fear and also taught his kings and priests to do the same when they were in charge. And just as Enlil predicted, productivity went down in the mines and the human slaves began to rebel. No bueno. Right. Um, the kings, so this, this lineage of these kings was recorded on what we now know as the Sumerian kings list. Possibly, um, oh, direct progeny of the Anunnaki themselves. And these kings were the first mystery school initiate. First in sciences like mathematics and astronomy and knowledgeable in medicine and architecture and engineering, so on and so forth. They're learning all these fantastic things in this mystery school. So 100,000 years ago, Anu died and Enlil became king. I'm not sure how he died, but he died. And Enlil became king of the gods and decided to take back decided to go back to Nibiru to rule. Enki stayed behind because he was only Enlil's half-brother. His mother was Anu's like concubine, so he didn't really have a place back in Nibiru, but he could stay here on Earth and still be like, pretty cool. 
Then about 50,000 years ago, he left Africa with his kings and priests and like loyal followers and went to Eridu. Um, but eventually there was a revolt on Nibiru and Enlil was kicked out and the Anunnaki called Enki back to become their new leader. With that, the Anunnaki abandoned the earth about 5,000 years ago. (laughs) That is a very summed up version of his interpretation of the ancient Sumerians. Uh, (laughs) When I got to this point, I was like, I don't even know where to take this. I I don't know where to go from here. Well, I will. What, you, but, what, right. what is what is your instinct about that? What oh is, my gosh. What is your like gut about it? Yeah, for me, I was just like, I've heard all these things, and it sounds like the Nephilim teaching women about roots and medicine and right. learning about um, alchemy and all the things that that yeah. is said mostly in the Book of Enoch, I think, but also in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I've heard all of this too. This and it was is, not a good thing. Uh, right. This is this good. is what gets me about this myth is that it is it's the one that holds all of the details the closest. It yes. corroborates the biblical myth better than any other myth that comes after because obviously it degrades over time over the telling. Right. right. Yes. But it so blatantly subverts it. Like the Sumerian, and we're probably gonna get into it a little bit more, but PJ and I did an episode last night on Rockfin, and I think we're going to put it out and make it available to everybody, too, about the demonic history of Pride Month. And we got into the Anunnaki in that one, too, because mm. Inanna is is deeply evil and in the Sumerian myth, deeply, like, yeah. transing everybody. And that was her. that's her power. That's who you're worshiping. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inanna, Ishtar, whatever you want to call her. Right. So the Sumerian culture was super blatantly they knew the truth and they didn't yeah. care like they wanted to serve the demons yeah that's what the myth says it's it's fascinating yeah and this so like even though this is just his interpretation in a story like you said like your gut my gut reaction was like oh holy cow here it all is. I also want to point out, I don't, I don't, wasn't quite sure where to put this little fact, but I wanted to say it. Like most of these tablets we're talking about were found in Nineveh. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's where Jonah like didn't want to go. Right. Right. <laughs> that was like so bad. He didn't want to go. Thought he could run away from God. Did not want to go there. Right. And I was like, oh, the I whole story of Jonah still gets me because like when I was a kid, I I didn't get it. It's like, oh, he got swallowed by a fish because he didn't do what God told him. Right. You know. But just the whole story around him, like actually going back and rereading Jonah, and it's like you kind of feel for him. <laughs> I feel like it was a big it was probably a really big task, like yeah. yeah. You on your own. You're going to go to this really awful place. Well, like imagine. Okay. So me. if you don't know the Jonah myth, like a yeah. myth, Jonah story, factual right. account. Imagine if God was like, 
I know you're expecting me to rain down hellfire on yes, yeah. uh, Los Angeles any minute, but like actually, I just want you to go preach the gospel to them so I can save them. And you're like, right. Exactly. <laughs> can you just, I would really rather you destroyed them. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I would rather get eaten by a whale right. to watch you save that city. <laughs> Are you sure you couldn't just, you know, take them out a, for me? Just a little hellfire. Yeah. And, and to me, it's also still so <laughs> convicting because it's like, yeah, I want hellfire to rain down on those people, but God still has so much more mercy mm-hmm. than I would ever be willing he to give. Them. He right. still loves them. Yeah. He still wants a, to give them another yeah. shot. Um, yeah. he's, <laughs> they still didn't take it. <laughs> okay, forgive me for blasphemy, but sometimes God is like that girl who keeps going back to her abusive <laughs> boyfriend and you're like stop and she's like i can he can change i can fix him <laughs> you would think god can fix that <laughs> this feels like a great time to plug your merch because elise is wearing yep. the, my favorite yeah. shirt in the entire the- merch shop okay. <laughs> including <laughs> our show Get this in the camera. yes there it is. is so good. This is fine. <laughs> this is fine. Yeah, just everybody. A little hellfire. Just, <laughs> just a little a bit. Little hellfire. Just a little bit. Everybody say, needs this much heart. It's so good. Yeah. Not only is it really awesome, but it's super comfy. I've been wearing it all day. And you guys can get it at hawkhoundmedia.myshopify.com. So if you guys haven't seen the This Is Fine dog basically in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah as it's being struck with hellfire. You should go check it out. Yes, definitely. Comfiest sweatshirt I have at the moment. I like it. Till I get more Hawkeye Media merch. <laughs> Relatable. Relatable. Yeah. So obviously this is considered by most scholars as pseudoscience and pseudohistory and it's not accepted, but there's still a lot of popularity around this theory and interpretation. Uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Abby delve into that in a minute, but um, there was this woman, Dr. Heather Lynn, who wrote a book called The Anunnaki Connection, and she, in an interview, she states like I wasn't out to prove Sitchin wrong. I was really just trying to like delve into this and. I think she tries to like ride the line of maybe he was kind of right. Maybe he wasn't like, she's very um, middle of the road about it, but she says that there are some scholars who respect his past passion and dedication and appreciate him just bringing the Sumerians to light. I'm like, okay, that's very generous. That's very generous. <laughs> so, We'll discuss more about this specific um, interpretation, but I do want you to kind of, I'm going to mention again, just how hard it is to translate cuneiform. I have an article. I believe it. Yeah. This, this article alone is fascinating. So it's from the BBC and it just says, um, I won't go into all of it because actually it's more talking about them using AI to help them decipher this. Wait, like, wait, wait. There's a whole nother wait. thing there. <laughs> They're using AI to help them decipher cuneiform, which I swear it still looks like a doctor writing on a stone tablet. <laughs> right, like that's right. just what it looks like to me. Yes. So they're going to trust 
the demons and the AI to correctly translate it for them. Well, if it's their story. Yeah, if it's their story, yeah. Should be pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) The demons can self-report accurately. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, But what she brings up in the beginning, so tablets from some of the world's oldest civilizations hold rich details about life thousands of years ago, but few people today can read them. New technology is helping to unlock them. Um, Broken and scorched, black by fire, the dense wedge-shaped marks etched into the ancient clay tablets are only just visible under the soft light at the British Museum. I love how she sets Mm. the scene. These (laughs) tiny signs... Okay, but maybe I should. It's say so this. NPR. I know, I know. It's it sounds like a romance novel that's about to kick off between like an archaeologist lady and like Indiana Jones or something. I don't know. <laughs> hey, at least like, it's not those romance novels museum. you've been finding in parts of novels. I found another gargoyle romance, a oh, different one by a different. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, it's fine. I this can't even. Fine. This is everything's fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. You can put there the dog not, in Barnes and Noble and do the same thing. There is not a demonic creature that exists that current romance novelists aren't writing erotic fan fiction of sleeping with. Right. It's right. gross. Because it's all it's okay. really gross. And it's a feature, not a bug. Like that's where we are as a culture. We want women want to sleep with demons. That's what they want. It's what the women want. It's what the women want. That's what they were doing in the days of Noah. That's what I was going to say. It's like men, men want to sleep with AI. Women want to sleep with demons. I don't know what this says. Right. What does it say What's about the us? difference? I don't know. It's the same picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are the same picture. Yeah. Same Someone picture. go make the meme. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Ah, uh, yeah. It's. Yeah, anyway, sorry. So while she's setting the scene, she goes on to say, uh, these tiny signs are the remains of the world's oldest writing system, cuneiform. Developed more than 5,000 years ago in Mesopotamia, the land between the Tigris and the Euphrates River, where modern-day Iraq is, blah, blah, blah. We all know all this, because I already told you. Um... But she goes to say, however, since cuneiform was first deciphered by scholars around 150 years ago, the script has only yielded its secrets to a small um, small group of people who can read it. Some 90% of cuneiform texts remain untranslated. Um, a lot of this is the, uh, just the history. So, yeah, she goes on to say, Apart from the clay tablets, there are also more than 50,000 Mesopotamian engraved seals scattered in collections from around the world for millennia. The people of Mesopotamia used these seals made of engraved stone that were pressed into wet clay to mark doors, jars, tablets, and others. Only some 10% of these have been cataloged, let alone translated. So I think it just points out again, like, this is not easily done. They want a computer to do it for them. There's a yes. lot there's a lot to this. So back to <laughs> There's a point, I swear. Back to <laughs> Zechariah Sitchin. Uh, I just want to look at him a little bit closer and what his qualifications are to interpret these texts. So he was born in 1920 to a Jewish family in Baku, the capital city of Azerbaijan. He lived for 30 years in Palestine before moving to the United States. 
During his stay in the Middle East, he learned Hebrew and he was an editor and journalist in Palestine and was fascinated with ancient history. Um, he received his degree not in ancient languages or linguistics or ancient history or archaeology or anything else you might associate with someone who has um, translated this Q&A form. But his degree was from the University of London, where he studied economics. And in the United States, he was working as an executive for a shipping company. And in his spare time, he taught himself cuneiform. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to a, bur- to a person being self-taught. And I can appreciate like the passion and discipline and hard work that takes. Um, but like I s- said earlier, these scholars who have like so many more resources and education and time with these texts, they're still having a hard time translating this. And we've had these tablets for a long time. (laughs) Um, So So for people who don't know (laughs) languages and kind of how, because we often think of like, everything's a one-to-one ratio. If you can just figure out what the word is, you can mm-hmm. just, and that's not how it works. It's just not. Um, yes. I spent four semesters in Greek and the way that you have to change the entire way you think just to get your head around the basics of the grammar is insane. Um, so for something to be insanely difficult to translate, because we don't even think that way. Right. We don't even, our, our, the way that our thought waves go is just, it's, it's traffic's going the other direction. It's it's completely normal for it to not for it to be that hard, but it's it is interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. You made the um like you compared it to watching Lord of the Rings in black and white versus in color. Like do you remember? I was, I was obviously Oh yeah. A while, when, one of your episodes with PJ. Yes, when you when you read the Bible in English, it's like reading it in black and white. You're not going to miss anything important at all. Nothing right. important for theology. And don't let anyone tell you, oh, if you just knew the Hebrew, this means actually the opposite thing of what you thought. But what it does do is it puts it in full color. And so right. you can start to see things you didn't before in the background that make the scene so much more interesting and so much more meaningful. It's not going to change the substance. Right. Um, right. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think this is like that tenfold in that Hmm. when you don't even understand the culture because there's so much there's so much we don't know about this and there's so much that isn't even translated and yeah so I just thought that was a really good analogy of like how what it is to um interpret things one language to another also oh that's the other thing if you don't know the culture you don't know the um metaphorical terms of phrase yeah yep there are so many things like in French, there's something like falling off your plate and it just makes no sense in English. It, right. Little things like that are just going to make no sense when you're trying to translate from a language you don't right. understand the culture for. Yes. Uh, we already have that like in English. People have no idea yeah. what we say in the South like <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. In English. So. In English. <laughs> yeah. In our own country. It's like. Yeah. Just dialects within the United States. Right. Yes. Exactly. So. Again, just more stuff to keep in mind. And I think it's pretty easy to like debunk this guy in that, in that aspect alone. But the fact remains that people still accept like ancient astronaut theory as an explanation for creation and man's advancement from hunter gatherer to intellectuals. And he, and he's not even the only one who's proposed this theory. Um, 
not necessarily just like Sumer and the Sumerians, but there are others like Eric von Daniken and Emanuel Velikovsky. And they were before Sitchin, but they've all also proposed these similar theories. And for me, first, I can't get over like how easily accepted this is in certain circles and how far it's taken. <laughs> um. So like I said earlier, Abby had sent me a link to watch this. What was it like a conference or uh, it was, I don't even know. Okay. So I don't know. When I love people, I send them five hour <laughs> webinars. I felt loved about aliens. <laughs> I appreciated it so much. Unfortunately, I did not have all five hours to watch all of it. I failed you. How I dare you? you. <laughs> I know. I, I said that like two days ago. I was pretty sure you weren't going to get time for it. <laughs> but you sent me this loving gift and I was like, I ain't got time for that. No. <laughs> Too long. Didn't read. I'm still going to watch it because <laughs> Do it. it's just crazy. But I did like catch the 20 minute excerpt that you sent me too. Solid. And do you mind like giving like a little crazy can you okay. even? <laughs> yes, I can. I know you so, can. So, there's so much. So, there's a Sumerian myth. And you would think that, like, with any other myth, it just stays there. It stays in the deep past, like every other pantheon. But there is something about the Anunnaki and the way that they're, they seem to cross over into a lot of other myths. Where you see a character in Anunnaki myth and then you see them... A really similar character in South America, right. in their tablets and their carvings, you see them traveling around, you see them giving technology and what it's, what it's given rise to as all of these civilizations seem to talk about somebody coming from over the sea and giving them technology and they're all carrying the same little bag thingies and holding the little pine cone thingies um, is that they're aliens, that they're, they're alien scientists, that that the current conception of the Anunnaki is that they're alien scientists that have an interest in human beings and that there's this whole mythology that they've maintained about which ones are, which faction of the Anunnaki are hostile to human beings and have done the human beings wrong, um, which is obviously <laughs> Yahweh. <laughs> and and the, the God that we believe is good, that loves humans, they like to make that person out to be the bad guy. And then the benevolent Anunnaki who are trying to fix his wrongs and give humanity more things and more knowledge of good and evil and technology. So there's this whole mythos and there are people now who have platforms who genuinely believe that they are regularly meeting with these alien scientists and being given massive amounts of information about galactic politics and the, the guy who did the guy who did this webinar i i can't even explain to you like i paid like 30 dollars for this webinar because it was so unhinged and i couldn't help myself oh. because there's two types of unhinged there's the person who's yelling at you because they know they're crazy and they're trying to convince themselves they're not right. crazy right yeah. and then there's the person who completely straight-faced completely sanely says the wildest <laughs> shit like you know they believe it yes they believe it they're confident oh, yeah. in it they're yeah. comfortable with it they're at peace with it 
and the amount of knowledge that is in their mind about this complete this thing that seems to have no connection to reality like Dr. Michael Sala of Exopolitics Today is a guy who put together the seminar and he has this whole group of people who all meet with these beings and they have a whole mythos that's like Star Trek. Like they just casually talk about the Andromeda Federation and, and the United Federation of Worlds and, and the people who are on you know, Earth who talk to the people from Orion and the people from the Pleiades and, 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 and the draconian reptile people and the tall grays and the short grays. And it's so, it's like, it's a whole cosmology of different races of aliens that are out there that they just casually believe in. It feels like the Trekkies met some LARPers and they uh-huh. just decided it's real. It's, it's like, I can't quantify it because you know a person who you know how to recognize a person who's come unclipped from reality. Yeah. And this is not it. Like, yeah, they're definitely unclipped from reality, but somehow the world they're living in is completely normal. (laughs) There's nothing, there's nothing desperate about the way that they talk. And so what I what I genuinely believe is that they are talking to demons and the demons are giving them all the information that they need. So they're really at peace with it. They, they really believe it's true because they are really meeting with a being who is telling them these things. And the being is preying upon what they already have in their minds as far as science fiction. And that's why it sounds so fan fiction-y what they talk about. Did everybody froze. Am I the only one here anymore? No. I feel alone. Everybody here? Oh, no. Not really. I'll just keep talking and hope you guys come back. Um, but but yeah, they, they, I'm I'm still doing research into this whole group of people because they have so much information and some of it really resonates. Like I was listening to another webinar they did today that was basically saying the same thing I just said in my episode on the Challenger, but from a different angle. So sometimes someone's crazy, but they have pieces of the puzzle that you don't have and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> anyway. That's that. That's the whole thing. But yeah, people believe that they're aliens, that the Anunnaki are alien scientists, that they're worthy of being worshipped. And I think increasingly so. It's going viral on TikTok. People are talking about the Anunnaki. And I think it's, it's really interesting that they're the oldest pantheon. And now here we are in what we think is probably the last days. And they are that group of people who has manifested in so many different versions of group of beings, I should say manifested so many different names, so many different iterations have gone back and seem to be presenting as a thing that they chose at first. And there's a symmetry to it. I really like. Yeah. And it's also pretty creepy. Yeah. It's so interesting and really disturbing because you know, on some level, they have to know who it is they're talking to. Mm. Right. I think that they have a mistaken when when God says if you're not for me or against me, I think that he's serious about that. You don't have oh, to yeah. be Hitler to be against God. And so what it comes down to is this divide where some people are going to look at the universe and see God as the good guy and some people are going to look at the same fact pattern and say, "Nope, you were the bad guy here." 
and be against him. And I do think mm-hmm. that we are seeing a mythology emerge because we've been in this atheistic time period for right. so long where people have yes. not believed that God existed. Yes. And now we're coming out of it and there are fewer and fewer atheists every day and there won't be any very, mm-hmm. very soon. And what is emerging is this mythos where the pantheons are like, yes, God exists and he's a criminal and you should right. follow us instead. Yes. And that's been being set up for generations yeah. in modern America like vilifying God, like you can't do whatever you want. How could a loving God allow such suffering? Like all of these are normal questions, but the questions were stifled so much in the church. Like you weren't allowed to ask those questions. So that just helped the enemy build their case, which is really frustrating. Yes. I I don't I think, think I could have, have said it any better. Share. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> definitely cut. We should we should take a break and share a meme that uh, our vault created for you at least on Twitter. I know. All My right. first one. <laughs> Is this your first one? My first one. <laughs> we have a couple of memes that yes. I, I am really excited uh, about. So here's the one from our vault. There you got it. Elise okay. has taken up the mantle of PJ. And so she is now Anunnaki. Ha <laughs> ha! The alien meme. Should have been it's here. Kept like- your title, dude. Oh. <laughs> I love it. She's a much cuter version. <laughs> if I let my hair down, it could get as crazy as the one guy Wild from. and crazy. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and we got Cute. this one from Based Babe. <laughs> sleeping with demons, sleeping yes. with AI. <laughs> Corporate needs to, you to find the difference between this picture and this picture. They're the same picture. They're the same picture. I like it. Oh my god, such great memes. Freda always makes exactly the thing you need her to make. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, and so quickly. Yes, just so quickly. I'm just like, oh, you nailed it in like two seconds. Nice job every time. (laughs) Yay! Way to lighten it up. Thank you. We needed a minute. If you guys didn't notice, like our whole streaming platform just like froze for a second. And it's yes. because we're talking about something so serious, yes. I feel like. The other really important thing that, mm-hmm. that the, I call them the Anunnaki people because I don't know what else to call them. But I think that's- because they are so sincere and so sane about it, I pay, I'm paying a lot of attention to what they believe in. One of the things that they believe is that Adam had good DNA. And then Enlil, the evil, the evil, the one they say is bad, right? nest with it. And that one of the things the Anunnaki scientists want to do for us now is restore Adamic DNA. Read, read, we want to come help you by messing with your DNA. (laughs) By putting Nephilim DNA in our DNA, perhaps? Yes. Definitely oh, that's the other thing. Giants are good, actually. Right. Oh, of course they are. Good to know. I didn't know that. It's, it's, it, yeah, I, it's crazy it. how yeah. much and how fast this mythology that's growing up about the Anunnaki, um, it's these crazier people 
who see them as aliens, but also it's Marvel movies. Oh it's it's everything. It's coming yeah. up from all directions in our society right now. You're going to see it more and more all the time. I'm not crazy. I promise. Just wait six months. Um, yes. I'm going to say that all the time. I'm not crazy. I promise. Just wait six months. Accurate. <laughs> but this idea that the pantheons are real, actually, they're yeah. the good guys and you should worship them. Mm. And and you should become a super soldier. You should have your DNA altered. You should, what, however they want to frame it, that's what it's going to be. And uh, just random, non-specific, totally unrelated thing. You guys saw that Neuralink got approved for human trials yesterday. Right. Oh, yeah. so random that that just came it's out of nowhere. So, so unrelated. Yeah, unrelated. I wonder how Elon Musk, who uh, outwardly wears the symbol of Baphomet, got access to such technology. Baphomet, you mean Inanna? You mean the Anunnaki lady who the whole mythology of her is that she can be either a man or a woman or both? And that's what, what? Baphomet is, is a man oh. or a woman or both? It's Oops. both. It's like all right there. Tick, tick. And she can trans. She can trans whoever she wants. She can make women men and men women. Yeah. So I have to mention. It was a big thing to do I, with children. For yep. her too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what's up, Jess? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but scientists are also getting closer to being able to create their own genetic codes and make artificial humans like straight up not getting genetic material from existing humans. Now they're just going to make their own yeah, and make, and make humans and make their air quotes humans, you know, that definitely have souls and are not empty shells for demons to come and inhabit. Uh-huh. It's not scary at all. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's not scary at all. Uh, well, and it also reminds me of that book. Oh my gosh. Why am I drawing a blank? That is, but where um, like having sex with your partner is like so disgusting and that's not how children should be made. And to even think about it or talk about it is so taboo. Children are grown in pods in, you know, they're that all sounds test like tube the babies. giver. Cause in the giver, all the kids were test tube babies. That was one too. Oh my gosh. I can see, I can see the book. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. I hate it when I do that. Yep. Anyway, there's a book like that. I'll probably remember in the chat in about 15 minutes. <laughs> Anywho, there's, it's been said. It's a popular book. It's, it's been a, an idea that's been around. When I read that, too, I was like, all of this, again, like you said, Abby, like it's all in our literature. And like Jess said, like we've been building up to this for a long time. That book was written a while ago. So it's like this has all been there. The foundations, well, we've been there for a long time, but. We're getting used to this concept. Yeah. They're, you know. It, it was that slowly and now it feels all at once. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I wanted to. That's where all of this culminates for me with this story is like you have this story of the Anunnaki that or even just ancient Samaria and their pantheon that is widely accepted. And then you have this kind of pseudoscience-y story that scholars might not yet really um, consider anything, but you still have this following. You still have these people who are right. like, Oh, something there and more to it. Even than that, like they go even further than to just be like, Oh yeah, I could get behind that. But it's turned into this whole 
this whole crazy, I don't even know how to describe it, idea. And it's totally normal. Abby summed it up perfectly. And I got done just watching the 20-minute version you sent me. And I went into my house and talked to my mom. And I was like, I just can't. I just can't. I don't even know. I know. I know. Oh, the other thing is that is that the Anunnaki use bodies as avatars. Oh, yes. I did. I was going to bring that up. Yes. Because our... So these pod babies <laughs> that they want to make. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. For who? Not for us. Alien sure. scientists, demons. It's the same picture. It's the same picture. Right. Yeah. And again, I- like, you guys have talked about this extensively and make so many good connections over at Conspiracies Pilled about this. So if anybody wants to hear more, please <laughs> go over there and listen because there's so many good connections. But I don't have time to get to all of them. We don't have time to get to all of them. <laughs> in, case, in case we haven't been clear, um, the Bible doesn't – the Bible references Satan, which is right. just a word that means adversary. And I think God purposely doesn't you – know, you know that line? It's like, I, I don't even think about you. Like right. you think about me every day because you hate me, but I don't even think about you. The Bible yes. talks very, very little mm-hmm. about the enemy, very, very little about Satan. And and Christianity has backfilled all this mythology, but what we believe about the devil, that's not actually in the Bible. We get it from Milton. We get it from Milton, primarily yeah. Paradise Lost, which mm-hmm. I adore. I adore Paradise Lost. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But it's not the Bible. It's, it's not the Bible. It's fan fiction. It's beautiful fan fiction, but it's fan fiction. And and I understand that temptation. I struggle with this with like C.S. Lewis because I love his works, love The Great Divorce, love The Screw Tape Letters. Again, still not the Bible. Right. Yeah. And it's... When you start, when you when you take a step back, one of the things that I'm doing right now, and I'm trying not to get lost, and it's really hard not to get lost, and there's a lot of deception out mm-hmm. there, yes. so I'm trying to be really careful and stay accountable to my friends, which I encourage you to do. If you're going to go digging right. in this stuff, uh, if you start to call these beings names, they're going to come for you, and it's not going to feel good. Um I promise. Definitely not. <laughs> so Definitely keep, keep not. people close who can like keep you steady. Um. But but when you when you start to recognize that a lot of these other belief systems, these myths, um, other religions, whatever it is, what people believe sincerely, what they are willing to take to their graves as like, I'm if I believe this, I'm going to heaven type of a thing. Right. This is what they gave their lives to. There's probably some truth in it. And it's, I think it's, it's important and helpful to go look at it and say, what is here that I've been dismissing because it was another religion, but it doesn't actually contradict the Bible in any way. What pieces of this are true? And then take it back to the Bible and say, oh, I didn't even realize the Bible did directly say this. I just completely ignored it because I didn't know what it meant. And you look back at the Bible and how much it actually does talk about the false gods and how it says... Baal and Ashtoreth, which are just the very next or two iterations after the Sumerian myth, but they're still very much the same people. And then you realize that the Bible talks about the Anunnaki um, and describes them and what they are. 
and and refers to them as false gods and says don't have any other gods before me don't create images of them i don't care how convenient it is for you in the moment i'm offering you something better right um and and the the sacrifices that those gods require are really steep but they have an immediate benefit sacrifice your child and you'll be rich sacrifice we don't see people doing that now <laughs> and the god of the bible with Abraham, and Abraham would have known known about the Anunnaki. He, he was right. living in a culture where people served these gods, and they were sacrificing their children to them and, and transing uh, for them and things like this. And God is like, okay, I gave you this son, this miracle son in your old age. Now take him up onto the mountain and sacrifice him to me. Right. And, and and Christians in our culture, we look at that and we're like, that is so mean. Like, why would you do that? Why, why would you do that to test someone's faith? But I really think what it is, is God is saying every other person around you right. is paying this price to their gods. Would Are you willing to do it for me? Right. And then he gets him up on the mountain. And the whole time, Abraham tells his servant, all three of us are... Yeah, me and my son are going to be back. He he says right. we'll be back. So even from that point, he he is believing. He knows his God. He knows his yeah. God isn't gonna. Is he believed gonna that a, if he was going to kill Isaac, he could just as well resurrect him. Resurrect him. <laughs> yes. So he goes up to the mountain and he raises the knife to kill Isaac, fully believing that that's not who God is. And then right. God's like, just kidding. There's a ram. Do that. Like sacrifice. The ram right. instead, and and what God did instead of what what the Anunnaki and and all these gods and all these pantheons ask for is for you to sacrifice innocence, either to kill mm-hmm. an innocent child or right. to take their innocence sexually. Yeah, that's what they ask for. And what God says is, no, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. Right. That's how this religion works. It's completely opposite. I'm going to sacrifice myself to give you back your innocence and to give you righteousness. So we, our religion is people like to pretend that everything is all the same. Oh, you can just serve this God or this God or this God, and it's all the same. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But Christianity is an exact inverse of every other religion, and that's why it's the right one. Right. Well, yeah, it was the original one, and that's why everything else is flipped on its head, because Mm. it has to be the opposite from what God has called us to do, from what God desires. Otherwise, they can't be trying to seek power for themselves, right? That Just like that original rebellion in the Garden of Eden, we had to do the thing that God asked us not to do. Right. <laughs> we had one job. We had one job. One job. We uh, couldn't do it. Exactly. And but I think it's also a mockery. Oh, keep going. Keep yeah. going. No, you're right. It is a mockery. Yeah. Uh, and that's what that's what Satan does. It's, it's like it's all just a mockery of what we believe. So he turns it on his head like, see, it's the same, but it's different. And I'm making fun of you and <laughs> right in front of you. And I don't know. I wonder if the intention is to surround us with all of these different religions and mythos that seem very similar and make Christianity seem like the odd one out. So it has to be the one that's wrong Mm. because it is the odd one out. It's being more and more framed as the evil one. Yeah. 
Like, look at all our reasonable belief systems where we accept people and we love people. And look, we even like your Jesus's teachings, you know, the version of it we twisted. But it's also... (laughs) Where we can put the pride flag on our church. Yeah. It's also like, you poor things, this evil powerful being has been lying to you for so long and we have the real answers and look at this entire galaxy of beings that are trying to take him to court for the crimes he committed against you like that's the lie yeah yeah it's tough too like honestly if anything could get me (laughs) it's tough yes yeah Yeah. i don't like being lied to (laughs) it's definitely that fear you know that you've been deceived for a long time Right. Yes. Yes. That you've been wrong this whole time and made to look foolish. Yeah. This whole time. And right. Yeah. yeah. But then I look at how Christianity, how deeply kind, like for for a God to say, "I'll sacrifice myself for you instead right. of you sacrificing for me." That's an ins- like. How can I walk away from that? How right. is that an evil God? Yeah. Yeah. Because right. that's so far beyond good. It's insane. It's a love that surpasses understanding. Boom. Yes, exactly. My pastor last Sunday said something like along the lines of, if you don't understand, like he was saying how it's hard to sometimes reconcile the God of the Old Testament and Jesus when we read certain passages. And he's like, but the bottom line here is um, look at his character. Like, even when you don't understand what he's doing or decisions he's made, he's like, but you know the character of God. You see the character of God throughout all of that. And to just have faith in the character of God and Jesus and to um, hold on to that even when you don't have the answers. And I was just kind of like, I like that because I certainly don't, (laughs) I don't have all the answers sometimes. And when I'm confronted by stuff, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I don't know, (laughs) but I know my God and I know who he is, you know, and that's, yeah. Anyway, on that note, you guys, I loved this. Thank you so much. And thank you, Abby, because I knew you would just bring like a whole nother perspective to this and I loved it and I appreciate it. Thanks. Um, We're going to keep this going. Okay. But we're going to head over to our chat and- before we do, real quick, what do we have going on? I'm excited for next week, too. So what do we got going on next week? I yes. am so hyped for next week because we will be joined once again by Abby, but also PJ from Conspiracy Pilled. And we are going to do a full joint episode about the Shroud of Turin. Is it a holy artifact, an alien relic, or a complete fraud? Guys, this is going to be an absolutely crazy episode. I hope everybody tunes in because we're all researching it and we're all going off the walls crazy. I'm oh, so excited. We're all researching it? Well, okay, maybe PJ <laughs> and I are researching it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Abby be- and I will just show up and be commentators. <laughs> I got the science side. PJ said he was going to do the history side. Nice. Jess is so, going to be in this room. Literally. Yeah. Yay! I know. I'm very excited. I painted the guest room for her. Thanks. You're the yeah. best. Yeah. We need like an after picture. I should. <laughs> I like it. And then what's coming up on Conspiracy Pilled this week? So, you guys know Spencer Clavin? Oh, 
Oh, you know the the son no. of Andrew Clavin of the Daily. No relation. no relation. No relation. No relation. Uh, yeah, he reached out um, he about reached a month out. ago, and he was like, "I have this conspiracy theory that Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> that Pete, <laughs> that Pete Buttigieg isn't actually gay. Can I please come on your show and talk about it?" Yes, and we were like, "Yes, <laughs> nah, nah, man, we're good. No, nah, man." Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yay. He thought he was joking at first and then he like had to push us on it. And we were like, oh, you're serious. Oh, you really want to be here? Okay. Let's do it. So we're going to talk about Pete Buttigieg not being gay. Um, we're going to talk about Michelle Obama being a dude. And yes. probably some deeper philosophical stuff because it is Spencer Clavin. So yes. I'm very excited. Oh. We've been friends for a while. So Yay. Yay. I, I am so hyped for that. Little jealous. That's okay. I yeah. love Spencer Clavin. His most recent book was so good. Oh, I'm reading it right now. Me too. Because I'm a horrible friend and I waited this long. <laughs> but you know when your friends write something, you're like, I'll get to sure, it. I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> and I know oh, it's good. I know it's going to be good. But like, it's just always weird when it's somebody you know. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> That's awesome. So PJ don't get sick challenge whenever we have big guests. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and I am going to be on Finding the Faith. Frida yes. just reminded me. Finding the Faith next week too with Base Babe with Frida. I'm super yes. excited for that. Yay! Thank you. For I had to. Me. I was. I was so mad. I was supposed to be on on the eighth, and then. Uh, I realized my work, I have like this big event for work that I can't get out of. And I was like, no. So I had to push mine, but I'm very excited. It, it's, it's, it's before the end of the month. So. Yay. Yay. And then all four of us will have been on there, which is pretty cool. Exactly. So. That is exciting. Hawkown takeover of Freda's podcast. Everywhere. Just everywhere. everywhere. Hawkown takeover all podcast challenge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, again, we're going to jump into the chat. But anybody who's listening after, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Anybody still here, we're excited to chat with you in the chat. Lots coming up next week, all month, really. We're super excited. We'll see you next time. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>